You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Louis Kornfeld. My guest today is the great Justin Torres. Justin, thank you for talking. Thanks for having me, Louis. Uh, Justin performs currently here at the Magnet with uh, Heartbeat on Heartbeat, Wednesday yeah. nights with Megawatt and also with Goats. Goats on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Yep. Uh, uh, Justin's also recently joined Premiere the Musical on Fridays. Crazy, yeah, yeah. Uh, somehow, somewhere along the line, you have very quietly <laughs> slipped into the role as the hardest working man in comedy. Uh, and that's just a small sample of. Of what you're up to, what are you? What are you doing? Give me a list of all the stuff that you're doing, because I don't think I know anybody who who does more than you. Um, as far as improv goes, or just everything? Improv, sketch, comedy, uh, acting, all that stuff. Um, well, I, I I I took I did the gauntlet of all Pitt, UCB, and uh, almost all of Annoyance and uh, and Magnet. So I went through all the programs, went through Pitt's musical and UC, and and Magnet's musical. So, between that, occasionally get onto a pit team here and there. I mean, I I try and keep it. I've got I've got it to the point where I do improv five days a week, and I have my weekends off, which is the first time I've ever had that. Like, and I'm and I get tempted to do a try and big sip a Saturday or Sunday, but I feel like I'll go crazy if I do one more. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess it's just um, I don't find improv as a as a chore. I think it's the one thing I look forward to every day. You know. It's the one thing to ending the day. I've met so many people that are amazing. The teams that I'm on with Goats and uh, and Heartbeat are so ridiculously positive and crazy and fun that uh, it's 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 an odd sense of uh, coming off stage and cheering for yourself and being your own fan, which is something I don't see very much in other teams coming off stage and being like, "We did a good job." Hmm. I think that's imperative to have a good team. Is that you have to love yourselves, even if it's especially a new team. You have to know that you're almost be invincible for a little bit to feel like you can do anything, and then you kind of kind of pull them back afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing that gets into a new team's mind is just uh, doubt. I don't. I think doubt creeps in. If it's too early, it'll kill a team. There's the because I think like sometimes you can become afraid about like just bullshitting yourselves or, or, or you don't want to be the team that it, it seems to have no standards and you just kind of celebrate everything is good and, 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 and you know and so I think some people can kind of overcompensate too hard by going the other route and being mm-hmm. hypercritical about everything so th- there is an element of striking a balance to those things but there's also at any stage of the game mm-hmm. certainly when you're a newer team knowing that the the other people on the team love what you're doing gives you everything that you need, right? Feeling that sense that people want to be playing with you and feeling that sense that people like are genuinely surprised and amazed and delighted by the stuff that you're doing kind of relaxes you and encourages you to, 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 to bring out the best that you have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think if you're a new person, you need to feel like, uh, if you're working with older veteran players, you need to feel like that those people are going to jump on board to your. It's it's like a a compliment to your moves if you're a new player and a veteran p- player jumps onto those moves. Um, a veteran player like can hold their own, but I feel like a new player is gonna wanna turn to a more experienced person and be like, 
can you, are you, do you like what I do? You know? Um, so like, and I'm still just as new when I feel like I want them to jump on board with my stuff. And, and I find that more recently I'm just, uh, I'm just looking for the unique ideas that other people have and then jumping on board as quickly as possible with that. Mm. Cause it's, cause we've got Devin on our team and she's a joy to work with. She's, she just jumps on board with everything. Making her smile in a scene is just makes me smile and then makes everyone else smile. Devin O'Neill. Devin O'Neill, yeah. She's spectacular. Yeah. So, uh, and, I'm, and I feel like I'm more energy-based you yeah. know, with teams. I feel like energy is a huge thing. Group games and those are what's important. You've got to have a good energy. You can't have a person, you can't have people who bring like a, a doubt or a, a negativity to it. I've... Because we all do this for free, you know? That's so, yeah. That's what we look forward to. I, I've, I've been lucky enough not to be on teams where I don't like it. Yeah. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, I like your way of putting it of, of like making Devin smile, uh, uh, you know, is such an important thing. And that idea, again, it's like, it's one of those like fine line things, but, but, it's a fine line that makes all the difference. There's a fine line between doing a show where you're just fucking with each other and making each other laugh and have a good time. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen those shows and I've seen those groups where the audience is miserable (laughs) and the people on stage don't seem to know the difference. Mm -hmm. And and it just makes you want to tear your hair out. (laughs) But then you also know the group where nobody is taking aim at anybody else on the stage. Nobody's trying to make anybody on stage happy. Everybody's concerned with the effect that they're having on the audience. Everybody's concerned with the results of the show. And, and, and there are these like anemic lifeless shows. And those are usually the teams that walk off and like nobody on the team is like looking at each other or talking to each other or smiling or having a good time. So finding that sweet spot where, where you, you know that you have a responsibility to give the audience just enough for them to enjoy what they're watching, but to also kind of in a way put up that fourth wall and not really be too concerned with, with what they want out of it, to be more concerned with putting that smile on Devin's face while you're playing. Yeah. You know, giving the people on stage, making them the priority in your life, making them... It's, I mean, it's that old Dell note that still holds true. The people around you on stage are the most important people in your life. They're the answer to everything that you need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, group mind is group mind creates improv. In my opinion, it's not. It's not about one person making up something that's funny. It's about if you're inspired by someone's idea, and that ends up being funny. It's really just taking taking what the group feels is. Uh, is the story or the game and then being inspired to do more off of it. So like if you have a group that doesn't do, doesn't a group that doesn't allow themselves to be inspired by each other, you find people who are just inspiring themselves to do more, more stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I can see how like people who there, there are certain teams where they just totally want to have fun with each other. And in, in my opinion, in my opinion, if you had it, I would rather be on a team that had lesser experienced improvisers that all came from the right energy than a team that was extremely veteran and everyone's trying to figure out a show. Mm-hmm. Like, figuring out a show is, like, too much. I can't figure out shows. Like, I've Premiere is, like, huge. There's a lot of veterans on that team. And I feel like I'm just trying to be, like, 
what can I give? What can I just give a little bit to the show? Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like, I, I, I wish I could feel like the wave of like rolling down a hill of momentum of like, we don't know where this is going. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where I find more joy and, and like, and like the opening of imagination of like, what could this possibly be? And then just being okay to destroy a show and then feeling where, seeing where, where we build it up from there. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, I've, I've, I feel like surprise is where I, where I look for, um, like Herbsman, I took his class and he says that, uh, he says that he doesn't do it anymore for just laughs. He's doing it for his, I think we all do improv for like a selfish reason. Cause it's fun. We want to surprise ourselves. We want to, we want to explore. Like sometimes people can go with a scene that's entirely, um, that's entirely like slice of life. And that'll be surprising. That'll be amazingly surprising because you don't see that very much. Mm -hmm. Or you do something that's crazy or something that's like um, song-based or something, that, something that's presentational. And that's an entire surprise. It's just something that doesn't feel like it's what you're normally doing. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I look for nowadays is beyond the norm. And I'll laugh, laugh the hardest when people are confused. Yeah. Like if, if you confuse me on stage, I'll, I'll laugh so much because I... It's it's peeking in at what the what what the improviser is, but also it's peeking in at like, I it's okay to not know what's going on sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. I it um. I I heard an interview. I've been like all about Mark Rylance these days. Anybody who ever talks to me must be so annoyed to hear me talk because I talk about him constantly. Do you know him? No, no, no. He's on Wolf Hall on PBS. He's a British actor, uh, amazing actor. They actually, he, he, there's some like great Shakespeare that he did, which they just took down off YouTube, so I can't even recommend it. Okay. I, I guess BBC <laughs> knew that everybody's downloading it all the time. Um, uh, but he was talking in this interview about. Uh, 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 about arriving at this place where, where he—that's where he wants to be—is is not knowing what's coming next, uh, and he's you know talking about how hard it is in scripted plays because you're so prepared that you actually have to learn the trick of kind of emptying yourself up to be back at to be back in the same place that kids are all the time. Yeah, uh, and he's like, if you look at kids they are perfectly okay not knowing what's going to be happening next because that's their whole life. Mm -hmm. They don't have anything else to compare it to. And so it's just this kind of like totally open, totally receptive uh, a place where at any moment something awesome is going to happen and they're just going to run with that thing and have a great time. And I, like I've been feeling very similarly about my improv too, that, that more and more I, I want to be at that place of like, innocence with it in a way that's such a pretentious word but it, it, it's about right it's just this kind of thing of not being so set on what's supposed to happen or what the payoff's supposed to be or or how i'm going to be able to shape the next move or whatever it is but but looking for like i don't know what makes every what makes every scene or every show its own unique thing with its own unique needs and, and just being like being receptive to attend to those needs in that moment and then move on from there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, I, I think that, like, the first three lines in a scene usually contain everything you need, mm -hmm. whatever happened. The first couple of lines, um, I used to play with uh, Justin Anderson on Lady Hawk, and all of our scenes would always be very pattern-based to the point where it's almost, we'll get through three or four jokes within a minute, and we get edited. And 
it felt so good because it was so easy because it's like I feel like he offered something A, B, and then C, and then we'd just do it over again and change occasionally, like little twists and turns, but the simpler scenes always work the best. Mm. And uh, and if you, I didn't know coming in that it was going to be a pattern. No one knows, but it just happens to come up. And when you were talking about um, kids, when I was a kid, I used to make uh, cassette tapes for my parents probably when I was like four or five. I would, they would go off on like on a long trip to like San Francisco and I would make a cassette where I would just tell them, make up stories downstairs, like on a bed, like jumping around, talking about like princes and, and villains and do fights and stuff and just record myself for like an hour, just doing an entire story where I had no idea where it started or ended. And it would just, I know my parents would probably listen like five minutes of it and then it was like, that's Justin, we really like that story. But I felt I felt invigorated by doing that. Yeah. I feel, I feel invigorated by creation. So, so improv is like its own little uh, uh, drug for me where I get to surprise myself with people who are equally as surprising. I think that's how you know when it went well, or, or that's kind of like the best standard to measure by. That when you walk away from having done it, you feel, you feel more invigorated oh, yeah. than when you started it. Absolutely. The, the the tough ones take something out of you. You have, you have to work to invent the next moment. And yeah. the easy ones, you, you do, you feel, you, you, there's just like more, there's more wattage in the bulb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I still come, like, the, the concept, I think subliminally, the way you set up a, a, a scene in the beginning, like if you set it up downstage, just subliminally, you'll feel different than if you set it up in the back of the stage. Mm-hmm. Like I've been telling... Uh, Goats occasionally moves back. They move back a lot, and I and I try and like push people forward. It's like because it's like because that that little bit of just being closer to the audience will promote provoke something different. Like just a little bit of fear will probably push a, a move that's unexpected. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that all the time. I'll just walk out and do nothing. I think with battery, um, the first team I was on, I was I initiated group games for the first like month or month and a half. And they would all be presentational. They'd all be like downstage doing something weird or starting a music, starting a song, something like that. And that was just a desperate plea for the rest of the team to be like, make this good, mm-hmm. please. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the time, I'll be laughing at the end because just putting forth that little gift ends up turning into something amazing. And the end is entirely different than I expected. Mm-hmm. And Or maybe if they just left me out there, I'd be still surprised and having fun just doing it on my own. Yeah. I'd probably be laughing just as hard, but it just seems like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what I, it's what I look for, you know, like in, in, in groups, it's, we we're all dealing with each other, uh, dealing with each other's personalities and whatnot. But when you're on stage, there's something visceral about interactions with another person. You, you get to know someone very clearly with the way they make moves on, on an improv stage. How, Let's talk about like your what do you what do you uh, uh, what is your approach playing with heartbeat versus playing with goats versus playing with premiere? Uh, um, are you being deliberate in the way that you're approaching each of those teams? Or are you looking to do different stuff? Or are you kind of making yourself a blank slate and then going up to do the best that you can? Um, with with goats, it's I think we're all just looking to surprise each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll, everyone will come on, and then 
you're almost waiting for the first move to take you out of the narrative or the first inciting action to figure out what the show is about. And the moment, the moment we get away from um, pro-tag, anti-tag, we get away from two-person scene, two-person scene, three-person scene, the moment it starts getting confusing is the moment where we all just kind of jump on board to what it might be. Mm-hmm. No one, I mean, people make moves, but it's not huge moves. Um, Brad told me, and he just recently joined our team, that our team is one where uh, if the train goes off the rails, everyone just jumps, for, just pushes the train further off the rails mm-hmm. to see how far it can go. Whereas other teams, people start trying to pull the thing back, mm-hmm. and then it, it becomes like a it becomes like a, a, an effort. But what if you jump on board when it goes off off the, off the tracks? So sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes it's not too entertaining, but it's always kind of entertaining for us. Mm-hmm. But we're also doing stuff that that I've never seen other teams do. We've done stuff where protagonists have either committed suicide in the first scene, and we figured out where it goes from there. Um, we've had scenes where uh, we'll repeat. We've had shows where we'll repeat what the first scene was in a different time period the next time, and then a different time period, like three time dashes, which you never see. Mm. And those are all coming from like an organic spot. With Heartbeat, it's just everyone is so loving to each other that you just come on stage and you just want to be with them. So I come on with an occasional energy, and you just feel out what the rest of the team wants to do. And we're doing a Spokane at the moment, but the last uh, show we did was a mono scene. And it's almost like Heartbeat, it feels like feeling where the show's going to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not leading. Me and Devin aren't leading, but we are having fun in our own little atmosphere. And in some ways, hoping that the whole team just enjoys that funness and just inspires more fun out of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, the more big moves that Devin makes, the more big moves that I make, the more big moves that someone else might make. Or uh, someone might make a crazy move and we'll just jump on board with that. So it's like listening to the team. Like, it's, it's odd to be called heartbeat. It's like listening to what the team wants to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Not pushing, definitely not pushing or moving, but listening to what, what we as a team want to do. And with Premiere, it's, I've only been a part of them like two, for two months now. Premiere, uh, I've been trying to figure out where I fit in the team. I know I, like, what I do with the musical improv is very weird and very odd and abstract. And sometimes, sometimes uh, it's like solely fun and joy-oriented. So I guess, I guess what I try and do with Premiere is... Uh, mess with the story just enough to have fun or play certain parts in the show that are unexpected, you know? Like, uh, like I'll be tables, chairs, pets, you know, animals, concepts, bringing props or something like that. Something that I feel like brings something to premiere that's not there, mm-hmm. you know? Like... I, I I try and think of like a sense of like sense of joy, sense of fun. You know, I'm trying to bring that to it because they're they're amazing improvisers, and sometimes I just do it to try and figure out what they'll do. Mm. You know, mm. I think I'll, I'll build stuff on stage, or I'll bring multiple chairs on stage um, if it if it's warranted in the scene, and see, and then just watch what they do, and they usually 
Like, even when I screw up, like, I screw up a lot on Premiere. And they just jump on board with that, and then it ends up being a game. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's just putting, my, putting, like, a little bit of a stamp on it, but not, not affecting it too much. I haven't figured, I haven't destroyed a Premiere show yet. Yeah. But, but I've, eventually I will. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing to hear, because I, um, so I've been coaching Premiere for, for a while, and it's sort of, it hasn't really occurred to me that I've just kind of taken for granted that 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 everybody kind of we don't need to talk about like what the show is exactly, but uh, like it, it's interesting to like no we do uh, you know like <laughs> it's never really occurred to me to like let's let's take some time to to kind of discuss what we want it to be yeah yeah and uh, watching premiere and watching everyone on that team is. It's a, it's a joy to watch them. And there's, there's a little bit more preciousness to premiere because yeah. you've got more time. Yeah. 45 minutes to an hour is a lot more time. Um, you don't want to get into a bit too early. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you hold something too precious. Uh, you'll ne- it'll never feel like it's, uh, it's, not, it's not feeling. If you hold something too precious, you'll feel like it won't be as special as something that you let go a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I guess if you cage a bird kind of thing, where it's like if you cage it, it'll be special to you, but if you let it go and it comes back, it'll feel like it's a choice to be, hmm. to be special. So, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, Premiere runs a, a, a very, a very uh, thin line of like being, is this the Friday night show where everything has to go perfectly, or is this the Friday night show where everyone just figures out what the show is, mm-hmm. you know? So, I think that was Siri we just heard. <laughs> uh, um, y- you have uh, an amazingly gracious attitude about stuff. Uh, like you, you're 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 prone to post incredibly <laughs> kind things on Facebook about people, and 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 one thing that strikes me, it strikes me talking to you now about the different teams, but but it, it, I also see it when you make posts on Facebook how precise and deliberate you are, not just about having, like, feeling blessed, yeah. but you're very, very specific about about where your gratitude is and about what you respect and appreciate about the different groups that you play with, about the different people that you play with. Is that something that you practice? Um, well, I, I, I'm of the mindset that you have to, you have to be grateful for where you're at, um, in any in any way, shape, or form, because if you don't realize where you are and how good things you how good things are where you're at, you're never going to be fully happy. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be happy with where you are at the moment. Um, because like if if I if I put up like the goal of being on a because I had goals in, initially be like I want to be on a magnet musical team, I want to be on a magnet regular team, and that was a goal of things. But I didn't want that goal to be the thing that made me happy. Mm-hmm. You know. The, the achievement of a goal makes you happy. And I think it's, it's, I do that because, uh, number one, I want the teams to know that I'm thankful for them. I want, I want them to know that, that I treasure the moments that I have because this is, you're only six months with these people. This, this is a moment that you'll, you may never have. You know, most teams don't last more than a year, maybe two years. So to be great, to be, to be grateful for the, the team is something that I have to constantly remind myself that this could end, you know, like, like, um, like when battery ended, it was tough, but towards the end, I was like, we gotta, 
we got to be thankful for what we have. We got maybe, especially when the team gets cut, a month left. I'm, I'm constantly telling people, let's just do as much as we can. Like, let's take as much time to be with each other as we can because after that, after the, the group ends, very rarely do they hang out afterwards. You know, it's like, and I think that it's, it's deliberate because I want, I want everyone to know that I'm grateful for them. And I want, and I need to know myself. I need to remind myself that, that I've been given an opportunity and that if I don't, I have to make the most of the opportunity, not so much to make audiences laugh, but to enjoy it. You got to enjoy what you have because if, because no matter how many other things happen in your life, if I, if I got in other teams, that's not going to make me happy. The, the activity of doing it makes me happy. So I do, uh, I do want everyone on every team that I'm on to know that I'm grateful for them and that I want them to know that, that especially when there's like really good or interesting ha- things that happen in shows, I think you should be, uh, you should realize that those are, those are amazing things. Go- goats constantly second guesses themselves. They're constantly wondering whether they're good or not. And I'm their biggest fan. I'm constantly fighting for, it's like, listen, that show is weird. And some people didn't like it, but it's like, this is something that you don't see. Mm-hmm. It's something you don't see. So it's like, I, I'm usually the biggest fan of all the teams that I'm on. And, and I think they should know that you have to, you have to celebrate what you do. I mean, like if you're, if you're doing like four or five teams and you don't, and you don't tell them every now and then that you're, that you're thankful for them being there. It just becomes, you, I don't want to take anything for granted. I mean, that's the one good thing about if I get cut from all my teams, I'll feel like I've done everything that I wanted to do. I, I don't feel, I don't find it too precious. So precious that I would, that I would break down without the teams. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I've made all the, I've, I've did every, everything I could. Mm-hmm. And then I've spent as much time with them as possible. And they know that I, that, that I love them and I'm grateful for them. So, and that's a, a process. I mean, you've been on a few teams that have been cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and you know, like I, I've been on on both sides of that myself. I've been on the receiving side of that. I've been cut from teams, and I've 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 cut many people from teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a pretty grueling, agonizing thing on both sides of the table. And I, I, I've always kind of um, marveled at your responses to it because be, being caught and, and can fuck with a person in a lot of ways. Yeah. There's a lot of self-esteem issues that get wrapped up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, you, you can kind of feel like you wanted this thing so badly and then it's taken away from you and it kind of leaves you with like a listless, hopeless, um, you know, lo- lots of people have like fallen out of it just from that sheer sense of like I guess I'm not welcome or I guess I'm not good or like whatever it is Um, I've always really looked up to your approach to stuff because you seem to be the most mature guy in the room and 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 you know not that you haven't like felt stuff with those cuts not that it hasn't been really sad not Mm -hmm. that you haven't had to say goodbye to, to groups that you love but but you always seem to come through that stuff stronger and better and, and, and totally elastic, totally ready for the next thing. Uh, yeah, well, the, the first, well, I think it goes back to the first cut. Um, a magnet did a, must have cut like 60 people one round. Mm-hmm. Uh, musical, mm-hmm. musical magnet, because that was the first, first one I wanted to get into was musical. And there was like 40 or 50 people getting on. 
and I had done all the classes and done all the coaching sessions. I'd created teams and I was like really gauging for like, I knew who I needed to, who I needed to talk to and be like on board with to be able to get onto a team. And it didn't happen. And I took, it took everything out of me. And I was like, oh, I didn't even want to be around Magnet. So I took three months off and I went back home to California and I just focused on myself. But like within two weeks, I wanted to come back just to do improv, just to, just the act of doing improv. And, and I think it, it, and then when I came back, it was just purely out of fun. And I think you can't hold, you can't hold whether or not you get onto a team or get cut for a team to, because like it, it's not gonna, if you get onto a team, it's not gonna make you happy if you've held it in such high regard. And if you get cut from a team, it's not gonna kill you because nothing will kill you, you know? I think it's uh, you got to come in with a mindset that you're just going to do. See, I would rather a person just have as much fun as they can on the teams that they're on rather than fear cut Mm -hmm. because, like, we're – it's just – it's like it it, it, it angers me when people – when I see people after they get cut suddenly lose all the energy and love that they have for the, the, the form, mm-hmm. you know, like whenever I, I'm so grateful that magnet does cuts a month before, before the auditions. Cause then you get a chance to be with the team. There are, there are other or, uh, improv communities where they cut you the night before. Mm. And it's like, suddenly you realize, uh, I can't play with these people anymore. Um, so it's, it's, it's a matter of just like have as much fun as you can. And then if you allow the outside things affect you, then you're not doing improv. You're not playing anymore. You know, if you're if it's if you're if you're playing out of fear, if you're playing out of uh, um, a need to to prove yourself. Anyone who's on a team has already proved themselves. If you're on level six, you've already proven yourself. If you're I'm, like I look back at my level six team, and I thought it was one of the best teams I've ever been on. I loved that level six team. Uh, I, I loved it so much. It's like you, everyone's already done what they had to do. You know, you've already, you're already, you're already a part of the community, you know? It's like, I always think level six is where you see the joy of mm-hmm. everyone just having amazing time. And then the moment they get on the magnet stage, it's like, am I doing this right? Yeah. Am I doing this right? It's like, you were already doing it right before you came here. You know, I was lucky enough to have battery to be able to have like a, a cradle of people like being okay with all my weird moves. And I think that, that I think that you have to do that you have to. And especially if you've got a team that's full of new people, if they don't know each other, somehow it's like it's, you got to have, got to cradle hug each other harder, you know, to figure out, because you're all scared, yeah. you know? So, yeah, I, I'm, I, I make a, I care about, I care about improv a lot, but I don't let it, I don't let cuts, I don't let getting onto a team kill me, because I know there's always six months later, I mean, but I'd recommend if, if you, if you fear getting cut off a team, then do as much improv in other in other uh, schools as possible because mm-hmm. there's always going to be an audition every three months, especially with annoyance out. There's going to be auditions everywhere, mm-hmm. so you, you you can't say that Magnet is the end all be all to do improv, mm-hmm. you know, or or any place. Yeah, I there, there's a couple of things that are striking me talking with you about this, uh, um, not the least of which is is this kind of Buddhist approach in a way. Uh, I mean, that's a really cliche way to put it, but, yeah. you know, uh, 
this kind of like non-attachment to results. Yeah. This like non-attachment to to like what you can't control or you know like because because you know I I I would see that a lot watching watching Megawatt. I would see oftentimes people clearly afraid of a cut happening. Yeah. And then that's all you're watching in a show. You're watching this fear, and you're watching people not 100% here tonight, not 100% making this show work, not 100% uh, uh, um, uh, enjoying the people that they're with right now. You see the worry. Yeah. And it's almost a guarantee that you're going to be cut. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it's one of those things, it's, it's like death. <laughs> it's like that uncertainty is just like part of life. Yeah. And, and, and and we all know that it's going to end not in our favor. It never ends in our favor. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So that either fucks with you because then you stress out about like looking for ways to to prevent that from happening or oh. to prolong it from happening, whatever it is, or or you just kind of transfer where your attention goes and transfer where your heart goes, and instead of placing the value in in what you will get or prove later, you place the value in what you have right now. Yeah. And it ends up those are the improvisers that that you're drawn to because like the light's shining now we're yeah. not waiting for the light to shine later you know we're not going to give the the full performance uh 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 you know and treat this like this is the dress rehearsal for the real thing this is the real thing right yeah. now right this second you've already got it yeah i, f- I feel like um it's you c- you can be, you can be afraid you can be afraid that you're getting cut and all that stuff i think as your team uh, just you, you should be honest with your team. You yeah. know, if you're afraid, I mean, you could use that to to have really good scenes. You know, just like like if you feel like people are making moves that are that are out of fear, you know, come up, start a scene by giving them a hug. Yeah. Start a scene by being, start a scene by saying you're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, because like that's the sometimes the inner gets pushed out to the outside, and. Like you'll end up doing scenes as if you're fighting. It's like, um, you know, just give. You know, it's like that's there's a there's a million teams where all they need to do is just like each other, and then suddenly like each other in scenes. Yeah. Then it just just it's good. Yeah. You know, there's there's teams when suddenly it's just one fight, and then the next scene's a fight, and the next scene's a fight, and it just feels horrible. You know, and this the the non-fun fighting scenes are the worst, but. Um, you know, it's like there's there were there were teams where I was on for like six months where it would just took the note from a coach say just just do scenes where you like each other every scene do scenes where you like that that's that shouldn't be that hard you know <laughs> shouldn't be that hard to just force that one thing in and then watch how you'll bloom because suddenly it's easy you know and especially when it's the fear of getting cut or or if you the fear of getting cut is one thing and then I hate it when they're already cut. And then the the life just dies of a team yeah. before before, like the month of like, the month the month where they're just waiting for the auditions. It's like where they could either where they either the energy goes away and they've given up, or the energy suddenly pumps up to the point where they're fighting to be like I want to know that I'm going to be on the next team. Mm-hmm. Whereas all you need to do is like look at each other. It's like this is the last month. This is the last month you're going to be together. There's so many teams where I was on like like with college and Lady Hawk and Battery where I was like. These are I loved every team amazingly, and it's like there was the pieces maybe weren't there at the end, but very rarely do you get that time where you just rush towards the end. Mm-hmm. 
you know, rush towards the ends and you want to be with each other more. Like, I love teams where they get cut and they just keep going. That's mind-blowing to me when a team gets cut and they just keep playing together because they can't be without each other. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, that would certainly be a piece of advice that nobody asked me to give, but, but if you're on a team that has been cut and you know you have a month left, don't throw in the towel. Yeah. Like, the fact that the team has been cut does not mean that you've been disqualified. It means that, that whoever made the cut sees different possibilities. Oh, yeah. uh, um, but if you throw in, like, this has happened to me a, a couple of times where, like, I cut a team and I knew for a fact I was not cutting this person. I was just cutting the team. I wanted to keep the person. And then after the cut happened, they all of a sudden played with this shit attitude and, and were just, like, shitting on everything that everybody was doing. And then they don't make the next cut. And it's like, all you had to do... Yeah. All you had to do was was try your best for a month, and you would have been like guaranteed a slot. Don't throw in the towel. Don't let it crush you. It, it, like and going back to like, I understand it too because it, again, your self esteem is totally. Oh, yeah. it, it, there, there's so many. You feel everything, which is I think part of the joy of improv. It, and 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 I suspect that one of the things that that probably keeps a bunch of us coming back to it over and over again is that improv is a great way to constantly be be working with your fears and your uncertainties in, in, in and and in a way that like you you kind of walk away it's like a microcosm of your own life all the time yeah. it, you never know exactly what's going to be happening next and and you don't know what's going to happen in the life of a team or a show that you're doing and you don't know all this stuff that you don't know and, and you yourself are are grappling with with what do I do in this next moment and what's the right response and, and you're grappling with like I'm a fuck up or you're grappling with I'm a fucking genius and that, and that's you know like mm-hmm. that's screwing with your psyche as well but you're grappling with all these different things and it keeps on coming back down to sensitivities all this fear is just part of improvising on every level of it and, and I think part of it is like you kind of feel refreshed and you kind of feel alive because that that sort of is our life it, yeah. is you're just in this context of like total uncertainty all the time and working together in that context to just like make stuff work and working together in that context to kind of help, help realize yourself with the time that you have available and help each other to realize yourselves in the time that you have available. And so improv becomes this really addictive way of living your life with and in front of other people you yeah. know what I mean like oh, yeah. there's that element that you're creating stuff but there's also that element where it, where it's like in a microcosm I'm living my life with you and I, I sense it I feel it because yeah. there's that adrenaline because there's that sensitivity and that feeling and that fear like I, I, I feel it I feel I feel more alive when I'm doing this stuff yeah it's um, I've had I've had moments in my life where I've, where I've, where improv has been the one thing I come to where uh, either the like if I've been through a breakup or like a death in the family, um, improv has been the one place where I can go to people and have them be there for me. Yeah. You know, regular friends on other sides, they're still always there for me, but do it just, just if you, it's not, you don't have to do this, but if you have a bad thing that happens in your life and you tell your team, watch how they work around you, watch how, how they support you, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or, or I've I've done I've done it both ways where I've done the show and then I've told them afterwards like this is what's been going on in my life 
and they were like, oh my God, I couldn't tell that at all. Or mm. they're like, oh my God, if you'd have told us we'd been fine or, oh my God, that was so beautiful. You know, like, uh, the people are there for you and it's odd, it's odd. You'll find big, much, much more deeper friendships in improv because you're seeing what it's like, it's like writers. It's like if you got a group of writers, um, they know everyone's moves. They know, they know what they feel like you're, you're pouring yourself on stage a lot of the time and these people around you are accepting it your your weirdness is who you are like if I make a move that's so weird and you accept it that's you accepting me Mm -hmm. so and I do go like a zen kind of like buddhist kind of approach because it's like it's it's all gonna be okay Mm -hmm. there's nothing there's nothing that'll kill us I mean and and the teams that I've been on that have gotten cut, they were all good. They're all amazing. You know, they were all, they were all beautiful in their own in, in their own ways, mm-hmm. and and they should realize that. They, they should know that. Even though you're cut, doesn't mean we weren't good. Yeah, we were good. Yeah, you know, like like goats. I I keep coming back to them, but they've you know we 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 were we closed out. Um, the New York Musical Improv Festival. It's like we've done shows where people just constantly talked about. Everyone knows, everyone's had at least one good show with the team. It's like they all, everyone knows how to be good. So don't judge yourself whenever you're, whenever it steps in a different direction. Don't judge yourself ever, you know? There's nothing. Yeah. Well, I feel like it, it, it's like similar to just like regular relationships in real life that it's not always it's not always about somebody making you feel great all the time mm-hmm. and, and taking all the negativity all the negativity out of your life it's about being with people who 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 love and accept and welcome all the funky shit too oh, yeah. right like and the imperfections it's when you, when you know when you know when somebody loves you and is feeding you with love and making you feel amazing but you're 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 hiding your imperfections from them. Oh yeah. You end up living up to this image of who or what you should be. And and invariably fear starts to creep in because you gotta maintain this thing and then resentment starts to come in. And 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 the other side of that is your your own grappling with your insecurities becomes that much worse. Because now you're like closeting these insecurities. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, and you're and you're living in denial of these insecurities. But when you're with that person who it's not just feeding you love to make you feel better about yourself and to make you feel good all the time. It's just like they take everything you have to give, insecurities and all. It's that sense of freedom that you have and, and that sense of like, I don't know, just, just belonging, just acceptance. But, but that, it's the same mechanic on a really great team that like, I love you warts and all. I love yeah. the team warts and all. I love the show warts and all. And, and it doesn't, I'm not saying that in order to get rid of any bad feelings. It's like, I love the bad feelings too. The whole oh, yeah. thing. The whole, you're saying yes to the whole package. Yeah. Um, teams, teams are an, an interesting dynamic where you find, you figure out, uh, you figure out how you work with uh, adversity. You yeah. figure out how you work with an audience. You figure out how you work when uh, you have people with a dr- higher adrenaline than others. Um, it's it's like a it's like a definition of who you are. Yeah, you know the the team is who you are, and if you decide to like, if one person decides that they're going to be they're going to be pissed off today, uh, a good team will probably either either help that or 
even go as far go go and everyone's pissed off mm-hmm. you know that's those are the um good teams feel what everyone else feels you know there's a sensation there's a um one of my favorite things is if somebody on on my team lets me know that they're like particularly afraid that night for whatever reason somebody's in the audience that's making them nervous or or they're just like not feeling on tonight for whatever reason i actually love knowing that because it changes my relationship to them for the show totally it it, now i feel very like i feel protective of them in in a way that sometimes i think i kind of take for granted of like oh we should be that way all the time treat each other like geniuses and artists and whatnot but sometimes you take it for granted especially the longer you've been with people the more vet you become the more you kind of take care of yourself and then get out there and have a good time and, and whatever, we'll be fine. But, but knowing that about, knowing that somebody's feeling really insecure that night or, 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 or they, you know, an agent's in the, in the mm-hmm. audience there to see them that night or something. I love having that information yeah. because then I get over myself and, and it becomes about get them center stage. Yeah. And, and, and there's, I feel like, um, if you get if like and I and I hate to say this about about improv, but if if everyone on the t- on a team um, agrees to one thing before the show, um, whether it be a change or something like that or a person, mm-hmm. uh, you'll have an amazing show because it just takes the amb- uh, just that much ambiguity out of the show itself. Like if you want to do shows, like we're going to make this person the pro tag for the show, we would clear out. All of the problems yeah. that come with the ambiguity of it, all this, all the confusion. We're going to lift this person up for the show. Uh, we're going to do this type of. We're going to do a fugue. We're going to show. Well, why don't we just start doing a doing a monocene, or just like we'll start. Uh, someone will set up the chairs in a weird way. That'll be enough. You know, it's like it's it's. You'll you'll watch a team shine in inspirato that they've never done before. Totally, because they just are agreeing on one thing. Yes, and. And I, th- I think that some teams, you know, if you feel like if you if you feel like you're not doing it, maybe agree to something beforehand. Yeah. And also, you'd be okay with be okay with not not doing the best show, you know, or be watch watch how you know some of us have been doing this for like four. I've been doing about three four years. Some have been doing like sixteen years. What's fun for you now? Yeah. You know, after all this time, I I, I remember I did a Chris Gethard workshop where he said. At the end of this, at the end, he was like, "Listen, you have, you can do anything in improv. Literally anything. Uh, you know, you know, you could be, you could be any character in any movie. You could do, you could change time. You could stop time. You could do, put out portals and dragons and devils and everything like that. That's all. You have all that at your disposal. Um, what, what do you want to do? It's as simple as that. It's like, there's." There's no limits to what you can what you can do. If if you want to go out and you want to do a slice of life scene or you want to do that and you feel like there's some depth in there and you really want to get into a character, then yeah. But also go the go the other direction. What else do you want to do? Do you want to fly? Do you want to like? There's not enough magic going because like the magic magic. If you ever do magic in a show like for like as a group game where you're a magician, you'll win every time if you're if you're if if it's like something where everyone buys it. Mm-hmm. It's. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that improv is such a. It's it's it's. If you think of it as a child would, uh, you can you can get, you can get such traction with ideas, you know, and that's joy, you know. That's, yeah. You've uh, studied everywhere and with everyone. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and you also maintain a really excellent blog. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that everybody should read. Uh, what's the What's the address for it? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's an improv Justin. You can Google Justin D. Torres, <laughs> yes. but it's an outstanding blog. <laughs> so someone coming to you, let's say I'm going to give you two two scenarios. Okay. Someone has just moved to New York and they're 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 coming to you for advice. Uh, uh, what do you tell them? Uh, uh, they're asking on on your your sense of of how they should put their own education together. Uh, what stuff that's important for them to know? That's that'll be scenario number one. Then I'll give you scenario two in a second. And this is for improv. This is for yeah improv or or, or yeah improv. Yeah, okay. let's go with improv. Both 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 musical and non musical. Oh, musical. Okay. Um. Well, for for regular improv, I. I've always set up like three pieces for like if you're a person if you're a person who wants to um, learn improv for the sake of improv or be a part of a community or if you've never done improv before I'd say magnets is a good starter because it makes you feel like you're kind of invincible from the get go no matter what how you get started uh, like but the way Rick runs a class or the way Hannah runs a class you're gonna have fun you're gonna have fun. Um, I think UCB is a little bit heady. If you, I, I would always take UCB last because you want to feel like you can do anything, and then you can kind of hone your instincts into game. Mm-hmm. I think in, I, I think Pitt is more for like stand-ups, maybe for people who want to put stuff on stage. Because Pitt, the way they've done the unauthorized musical and stuff like that, they will put your stuff on stage. If you've got an idea, if you've got a one-woman show, one-man show, they'll put it up. They they invest in ideas. Not uh, the as for improv though, I, I I always say maggot's probably the best first because it's it's a you'll you'll learn how you'll learn who you are as an improviser mm-hmm. as opposed to conforming to way, the way other people do it. I think if you've if you're a fully formed improviser, then you have you can do all three of them. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, what about doing them simultaneously? What, what's your experience of, of that? Does that fuck with you? Does it amplify lessons for you? What, what, how, how did you take that? Um, I, took them all, I took all three of them in a row, and it was just because, and this, this is kind of selfish on my part, I wanted to get on teams. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get on teams, and I, and I wanted to be able to go uh, to audition, not get in, audition again, not get in, and just find something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, See, um, what was the question again? Uh, uh, just your advice to people who would be doing all three of the schools. All three at the same that, time. Yeah, how, um, how to kind of like manage that. It, it, can, it, can, be, it can be done. It, it can be very fun. If you if you've, if you've got the bug for improv, mm-hmm. um, taking all three will be the, probably the most efficient way of becoming a better improviser quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just the people who limp in, who are like, I'm not too sure if I want to do this yet then I'd say magnet first. Mm-hmm. And also UCB has a huge, like if you want to do sketch, if you want to do films, if you want to do um, writing for that stuff, like, like if you can immerse yourself, I feel, I feel like UCB is like its own college for comedy writing. Mm-hmm. It's like that's if you want to go, if you want to go head first into something and just invest time and create things, then UCB is a great place to go. I always consider magnet as a purist improv like improv for the sake of improv school Mm -hmm. like if you want to learn and be with more experienced improvisers who are just improvising for improv i often i often think of like level six is like if you're not if you're doing level five and level six and you're not shooting for a team i I almost wonder why you're there Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so yeah I'd, i'd 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 recommend if someone's got the bug to do all three in a row because you'll 
you'll find different people with anoints than you'll find in Magnet. You'll find very different people with uh, UCB. You'll find, like with Pit, you'll find aggressive people, mm-hmm. more aggressive stand-up comedian type. With UCB, you'll find actors, a lot of actors, or people who just don't know improv that well who are just trying to, to figure out how to write. Um, with Magnet, you'll just find regular people sometimes who have just never done improv before. And with Anoints, you'll find... Uh, You'll find maybe improvisers who have done all the schools just trying it out again, and suddenly, like, annoyance. Like, if you take a person who's done annoyance for the first time after they've done all three schools, there's almost like a like a spark that pops in. Because, mm-hmm. like, suddenly, annoyance teaches you you can do anything anything you want right now. Just mm-hmm. do whatever you want right now. And then that'll surpri- that, that usually re-sparks an engine of improv if you've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That was my second scenario. Somebody comes to you who's been doing it for a while and is feeling kind of... Uh, um, worn, yeah. or, or maybe somebody who's taken a break from for a while to to kind of recollect themselves, but is feeling that that yen again to reconnect with it, and that would be your advice. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say if you've if you've done all the schools, do do annoyance, give annoyance a one time shot, but uh, yeah, yeah. Also, like if you've gone through magnet five and six are amazing. Mm. Five and six are spectacular. I, if I could take five and six again, I would. Yeah, yeah. You also, uh, um, so you get a lot of work doing voiceover. Yeah, yeah. A world that I'm super curious about and know very little about. We were talking a little bit before the podcast about your home studio. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how long have you been doing it? How do you get into it? And and this is, I guess, like such a wicked broad question, but yeah. uh, um, what is life like for a working voice actor? I imagine there's a lot of good advice. Lots of improvisers could could stand could benefit to, to know some of this? <laughs> um, uh, first off, I, I tell anybody who comes in and asks me how do I get into voiceover, I tell them it has to be a choice. You have to make a, make a choice because it's going to cost you some money. Mm-hmm. So uh, you need to make a, a, a real real choice to do voiceover because you can't really limp in. Because what happens in when, is when you limp in and you start taking classes, then someone will be like, you got to do a demo. And then before you know it, you've lost like $3,000 because you've limped in and you haven't really figured out what you, whether you want to do this or not. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've decided to do a, a non-voiceover, uh, I can only offer this, uh, to offer this uh, advice to people who are non-union. Union people are in a different, different pay scale, different level. I'd say set up your home studio. If you're non-union, set up your home studio. Get a microphone. Get a, get a preamp know how to edit in computers and uh, be a part of either Voices. Well, pretty much Voices.com is my number one or uh, Voices Voice123 is my second and I wouldn't go to Voice123 unless Voices.com, you already had that. Voices.com is a pay-to-play. It's like $300 a, a year and they give you, they give me probably as a young adult male, I probably get about 25 auditions a week, maybe 40 and then those auditions, you do them at home, you send them to the client if the client wants you, they'll they'll award you the job, and then you just do the job. So that works. You post your reel online, and and it goes into like okay, young male uh, baritone, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then whoever's looking for that will go seeking through, and they'll contact you if they like the sound you. Um, that's that's one way of doing it. There's a, there's a couple of like forums or like I can't remember like there's there's, there's websites where you can put your demo on there mm-hmm. and they can do it. What Voices.com does is they sit, they post up the job itself. And it's up to you to audition using their audition uh, script. Okay. And you send it in because, like, they also they want to know that you can 
that you, you're not living next to a street mm-hmm. or something like that. The, the quality is, is, it doesn't have to be that much money. I mean, uh, a, a fair enough mic will cost you maybe $85. And uh, you got also invest in an occasional class, a voiceover class. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend new, do not take voiceover classes from uh, actors. Take close, voiceover classes from casting directors, people who can hire you, mm. uh, especially if you're in New York. Uh, otherwise, like the, the, the unfortunate thing about voiceover acting and acting in general is that there's always someone trying to make a little bit more money off of you. Um, there's... Everyone's got the end-all answer for how to make money because, like, voiceover is kind of like there's this notion that you can make so much more money than anyone else if you do voiceover. So it's like this lotto ticket that people put in front of you. So everyone's got a idea. It's like come, come to me, do my, I'll record your demo for you. I'll do it for only like seven hundred bucks, and then you'll just come out with a crappy demo. So I'd recommend do the Voices.com because, uh, because. What it'll do is it'll make you getting it'll get you used to recording, it'll get you used to practicing, it'll get you used to doing, um, doing, doing, figuring out how what your voice is, and the gauge of whether you're, um, there's no way to there's no way to gauge outside of Voices.com or, or those those audition sites whether you're good or not. You know you can't go to you can't go to classes and gauge whether you're a good voiceover actor or not. If you're if you do this if you audition for a bunch of jobs and you get a couple of them you know you're good you know you know that you, you know that you can do this if you if you audition for 200 jobs and you're you're not pulling then you need to train a little bit more so I think it's a good training ground to become a voiceover actor is the pay to play sites and there's there, oh there's so many people who hate pay to play sites because it does undercut undercut the uh, agents it undercuts the casting director sometimes but um, I'll I'll be honest. I've I that's how I make my money. That's mm. how I make my living is through through uh, clients from pay to play sites and 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 repeat clients. And I'd rather do a hundred dollar job that takes me twenty minutes um, that I had to audition for online than than audition for twenty thousand dollar jobs in the New York mm-hmm. and not get any one of them. That took me that took that took three days to get through. Yeah, you know. So, but I, I'm also represented by Access Talent and uh, Friedman West for non-union Access Talent for regular union. So I occasionally do go out for the lo- the bigger jobs, and I go in studio and I do audiobooks every now and then. But that that's really just the icing on the cake. If I, I could not make money solely on that, I wish I could. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough racket. There's there's a couple of people like Brian Hansberry does well. There's a couple of people who are probably in, in magnitude who do really well with voiceover. I, I I've I've gone out for it. And I haven't done it, but I do make money doing voices hmm. voice.com yeah when uh, um I, I i went in on a couple of voice auditions a few years back mm-hmm. thinking as i'm sure many improvisers would think i'm a very good improviser no problem <laughs> and uh, immediately put headphones on and spoke into a microphone and had a casting agent staring directly at me and fucked everything up immediately and <laughs> sounded like garbage and and you know, I, uh, I was a little surprised at, you just kind of think of like, oh, I'm a performer. I perform all the time. It's yeah. no problem. I'll just perform. I do what I do. <laughs> but it, it it takes a lot of adjustment. Oh, yeah. It's not the same thing. 
I, uh, whenever I record a story for like the truth or something, oh, yeah. it, it, it constantly there's like a little decompression area where I have to not think like a stage improviser. I have to I have to like modulate things a little bit. What advice do you have for people like if they're going in for a reading or something? What what, what would what would you have liked to have known when you first started? Um, let's see. Uh, when it came to commercials and when it came to like everyday guy or something like that, that's what that's what I primarily make my money on this commercials or honest uh, honest everyday guys um i think just not to try and sound a way that you expect people expect Mm -hmm. just just talk how you normally talk you know the conversational is hard to do because people change into different voices when they suddenly put on headphones they suddenly don't sound like themselves anymore right um there's so much physical stuff that you could do like shrugging sounds you can hear when someone shrugs in their voice you know you can hear when someone smiles in their voice mm-hmm. you can hear don't be afraid to inflect a different way up or inflect down at the end of a sentence don't be afraid don't try and do what they th- you think they want of you just do what you want and you'll be fine you know like there, there's a difference between saying like uh just saying like uh, um let me see, um, uh, Magnet Theater, uh, 29th Street. Um, uh, saying that with a smile would be like, Magnet Theater, 29th Street. Saying it with a shrug, Magnet Theater, 29th Street. You know, it's, it's, it, it affects allowing your body to affect yeah. how you sound. That last one, you're so disappointed that it's on <laughs> 29th Street. Street. Can't like, get there anywhere else. Magnet Theater, we're, we're trying. <laughs> yeah. We're trying. <laughs> gotta, gotta come to Penn Station. Sorry. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's some, there's something there's something inherently interesting about sounding, just doing something with your body, and yeah. suddenly it turns the entire voice into something else. If you're doing audiobooks, um, your voice is going to be the main character. Um, your voice is going to be the narrator. So you have to do a little bit different. Narrator is kind of like slightly outside of the scene. The main character is going to be you playing you. So that'll make it so much easier. And then every other character is like if it's a main character girl you with like a lighter voice once there's when you you set out your main characters to be different shades of you and then the characters beyond it as different from you as possible mm-hmm. because if your main girl sounds like she's like a southern belle that doesn't belong there you're gonna have to deal with her she she has to have an arc mm-hmm. you know you, you can't just make it a character so yeah I, I learned a lot of that from like pat fraley has like a fun little um, audiobook session that's very interesting to say to, to to listen to but yeah just don't be too don't be too afraid of it improv helps in in voiceover auditions if you uh if you're doing cartoon and stuff like that sometimes for conversational you could you could add in an uh or a hey or now uh, that's another thing uh, uh my one of the casting directors i work with dorian elliott she's an amazing um coach and she's a casting director as well she said start uh, start a scene when you're practicing it start uh Start it with "Hey, listen" or "Dude." Mm-hmm. This is for guys, probably. If you if you start uh, if you the way you the 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 words you say right before it will affect the entire sentence. Afterwards. So if I was going to say "Magnet Theaters on 29th Street," I go "Dude, Magnet Theaters on 29th Street." Yeah. Oh yeah, how about that? That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Hey, Magnet Theaters on 29th Street. Yeah. It's like I would be like, "Dude, Magnet Theater, 29th Street." Yeah. You know, it's like it it, it all affects. The way you are. Yeah. Listen, Magnet Theater, 29th Street. Yeah. It's like, 
it's, it's uh, it affects it because you're suddenly it's it's the way you start a scene like yeah. if you start a scene with listen and you start a scene with hey it's entirely it's going to change the entire scene yeah so yeah uh um well another thing i'm getting to from that it, it just like relates back to to that like funky uh, uh demon of expectations that you have in the front of your mind mm. you know you you put a pair of headphones on and, and and you play what you think people want you to oh, play yeah. rather than just sharing what you have to, have to offer very kind of like similar experience to when you do what you think the audience wants or when you do what you think the 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 director wants or whatever the hell it is yeah. it, it, again it's like that results thing you play for the results and and like there be dragons yeah you know I, the first the first uh, actual access job i got which is like an agent that was my agent at the time the big agent um uh i got it uh, they called me. I got it. I went to the studio. I read a couple of lines in, and then they stopped for a second, and for like five minutes, and then I'd been replaced hmm. within within thirty minutes of my first ever job as a voiceover actor. Hmm. And my, my agent said afterwards, she's like, uh, she called me up. I was like, you got replaced. I was like, did you do something wrong? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what did I do. And she was like, I tell you what, uh, take the weekend. <laughs> Just relax, go do something fun. Because she, I think she knew deep down, it's like this could crush a person's willpower to do anything, yeah. to realize that you had something that was worth something and it was just destroyed within like a minute. She's like, just relax, go go have a dinner or something like that. Just relax, take the weekend off, don't worry. This happens all the time. And it's like, that's true. It's true. It's like, if you can bounce, if you can bounce back from that, if you can bounce back from getting cut, if you can bounce back from not getting on a team, you can bounce back from anything. There's nothing will kill you. Nothing will kill you. That should have killed me. <laughs> if I, if I, if I was honest, I think I was wandering around a Marshalls, just like, like wandering. It's like looking for something that I could buy to make me happy. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah it's a horrible day. Justin Torres has been a, a great pleasure talking uh, with you, thanks, my friend. Thanks for having I feel me, like Lewis. we could all stand to learn a lot from you. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Well, um, so uh, Google Justin D. Torres. <laughs> yes. I don't have my computer in front of me right now, but it is up oh, here. It is improv uh, Justin dot blogspot dot com. Thank you, Evan. Thank you. Check Thank it you. out. It's a wonderful blog. Uh, uh, all things improv. Uh, and where can people see you play these days if they're listening in twenty fifteen? Um, uh, see, uh, uh, Tuesday nights, goats still running strong for another six months. Um, heartbeat on Wednesday nights, uh, megawatt. Love them, every one of them. Hello, heartbeat, if you're listening. And premiere, uh, Michael Lutton's big monster of a of a musical show on Friday nights, usually around ten, depending if T.J. Davis is in town, because then we'll push to push to seven for him. That's a pretty big honor to be bumped by T.J. and Dave. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the shows that could have been bumped, <laughs> yeah, totally they bumped your show. <laughs> Justin Torres, thank you, sir. Take care. Uh, this has been the Magnum Theater Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Evan Ford Barden, our producer. Thank you to Grant Michael Goldberg, our engineer, Ed Herbstman, our executive producer, our guest Justin Torres, and all of you fine and delightful folks out there for listening uh thank you everyone we love you bye 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 you've been listening to the magnet podcast
This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.